Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the seventh week of the spring 2017 season. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Had day, had day, had day. Ben. Yo. And Aaron, whose burps will not be included on this recording, hopefully. I got another one. <laughs> That's okay. Figured he did. That's fine. God. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> You're welcome, you, you, audience. You can edit it out. I don't care. That's on no, you. No, leave it in. This is the only time we get him to make any noise. <laughs> As always, you can find show notes at www.audioentropy.com or www.projectharhi.net. Uh,. Let's start with Seikai Suru Kado. I think episode... you mean Katamari Damacy, episode 6. <laughs> yes, yes, Katamari. Katamari Kado... Damacy, episode 6. Um... Uh, on this episode, if you couldn't figure out from the reference, we roll the cube. I just love. The scene where they go over the map and they're like, "Holy crap! It's gonna, it's gonna like overlap and crush huge blocks of things." And, and then she don't just like, "Wait, what if we do this?" Yeah, what if we use the power of edges? And everyone else is like, "Whoa!" Oh my god, he's a genius! No one's ever thought about cubes this way. It's just like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> Yeah, like the moment he said, like, what if we rolled it like this? I was like, he's going to use the edge, right? Because he didn't specify how much surface area they'd need to have touching the ground. Just any amount. Oh, that's... <laughs> it was just so yeah. fun. Again, like, I like I like this show, but also they like one of the sort of premises which granted is kind of in the background right now because it's not it's not like the focal point is that the main character is supposed to be this like negotiation negotiation genius he's done very little negotiation yeah both that and also every like super genius thing he's done or like has shown to be done is like no i like basically immediately figured that out (laughs) <laughs> like he's 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 a good character but he's not really that impressive yeah um, I, I feel like the scene where she asks him like how long has it been since you've taken a rest and he's like going over the days it's like really no yeah. one's noticed that he hasn't slept at all why which actually segues nicely into the very the final reveal of this episode. Yeah. Where the aliens like, and for my next trick, I'm going to let humanity just stay awake all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I mean, I guess that's cool, but that's that's a lot lower than the infinite energy for everyone. I mean, like Whoa. it's it's so here's the thing about being able to never go to sleep is it's a huge boon for, like, people just being able to do whatever the hell they want. But also it's super dangerous because it also, because then it means, like, companies are like, so you mean I can force my employees to work more hours? Yeah, 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 congratulations, you just shifted to an 18-hour workday. 
Yeah, so like, in theory, it's a fantastic boon for humanity. But in practice, I feel like it would lead to all sorts of human rights abuses if it were not heavily regulated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. We'll, we'll see next episode what they do with that. Ben, it sounded like you had something to say. Well, okay. That's one of those things where, where like, the way... <laughs> As far as uh, yeah, labor labor market relations, yeah, I mean, it all depends upon like wh- how the how the labor market shakes out. Uh, yeah. Like my gut instinct, though, is that Walmart would be like, ha, 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 right. "You're our slave now." Right, but that's uh, just, but you... that that's be, that's because of. Uh, but that's because of, you know, employers' asymmetrical bargaining power. It's not, you know, it's not because of, <clears throat> yeah, it's not because of, you know, the phenomenon of sleeplessness. Well, yeah, it's, it's humans being humans, which is the exact same yeah. problem we had uh, before with the infinite energy thing. Yeah. It's because humans cannot be nice to each other. Um, but, uh, also, can you imagine what that would do to Black Friday? Can you imagine what would happen to China? Oh, God, yeah. But basically any sweatshop in the world. Well, okay, the thing about the, the thing about sleeplessness is I believe it's tied in with, uh, it's tied in with the, uh, the wham making, uh, uh, the wham making thing because uh, you know a large part of the episode is actually is or at least a large part of the early part of the episode is taken up by you know uh, Zashinuna you know noting like that you know being able to make a wham requires a certain uh, adjustment in a, a person adjustment in a person's consciousness. Yeah, like, we even get, at at the early stages of the episode, scenes of people trying and completely failing to make whams, um, with, yeah, with people asking, so, like, is it, can people actually do this? Is this something special about me and the scientist girl, and him going, like, well, it's like, yes, there is something special about you that makes it easier for you to do it, but not, you're you're not the only ones capable and also mentioning that like if you if you're younger it's easier for your brain to like reprogram itself to understand the spatial shit going on yeah which makes sense because the younger you are the easier it is to form your outlook basically yeah which is also why it's it's generally encouraged to if you're gonna learn a language do it when you're young Mm mm-hmm I do like the explanation for the scientist. He's just like, yeah, she's basically a child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... It, they didn't talk about whether the, the paper whams work or not, which is kind of odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of it seemed like, it's like, all right, we've got whams now. Now let's move on to this other topic. Like, they didn't even really touch much on like the whole fallout of giving whams to the world which is which is a little weird since a big point of 
the previous episode, at least the end of it, was going, oh crap, this is a huge deal, and it might destabilize, like, current diplomacy, and then, like, they don't even really mention anything in this episode. It's just like, alright, we've got to move a hypercube. Yeah. Oh, something that I forgot to mention in, in the past, but one of the things that he mentions in, like, the second or third episode is the reason why he landed in Japan is basically because Japan is the kindest place to be. <clears throat> Which is kind of weird. Like, like, that just seems a bit, uh, what's the word for it, nationalistic? Well, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I feel like if he wanted to go somewhere kind, maybe Sweden? Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Well, the thing about that is that it's probably, yeah, I mean, okay, they're slightly nationalistic, but it's not completely out of nowhere. Because the thing about Japan is that it has the, it has, I think, a, a relatively unusual mix of high technology and high social capital. I, I guess, I, I feel like a, a more, an argument that didn't feel so jingoistic would have been like, because you, like, because you don't have an army to worry about, <laughs> like... Like, A, because you don't have a standing army, and two, like, because you're already, like, predisposed to high technology. Well, I think the army thing is kind of meaningless because they can't touch him anyway. Um, although I yeah, suppose but he like, wouldn't know that coming in, but if you're going to go with that, he wouldn't know that they didn't have an army well, either. So. Well, it's, less, it's, it's less because they'd be a threat to him and more because, like, if you have a standing army, then, like... It's sort of like the every every like when all you have is a hammer. Well, you know, everything looks oh, like a nail. When you have a standing army, everything looks like a target. Well, a lot of European a lot of European countries don't have even less of an army than Japan yeah. does. I mean, you know, Japan spends about one percent of its GDP on its army, which is pretty low by pretty well, they're, low by they're world defend- standards, but. But, their defense force, but Euro- European, a lot of European countries spend a comparable amount of their GDP on their armies. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so theoretically, you know, the cube could have landed in you know any, you know, any reasonably nice European country, and it would have worked out just as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just I wish the reason would have been it's random instead of oh you're the kindest most gentlest people on the planet. Yeah. Or just like or just like I had several equal options and I just flipped flipped a coin or something. You flipped a hyper coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hyper coin. <clears throat> Let me show you how to make a hyper coin. Uh, well, it I can. Uh, I can work with it. To me, it's that's a minor nitpick. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's just something that kind of annoyed me. It's just silly, is all, really. Um, but yeah. Well, the truth could have been that, yes, he could have, uh, you know, yeah, yes, the cube could have landed in, you know, <clears throat> in uh, any European country just as well. But, I mean, but... Uh, you know, but it's not like Zashinin is necessarily going to tell them that. 
Yeah. Because what if Zashinita had instead said, "Because I really like anime." Yeah, he's just an otaku. It's like I've been watching you guys from the fourth dimension, and anime is the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm a I'm a real big fan of Knights of, Knights of Sidonia. That's some good stuff. <laughs> I met a race like them before. I destroyed them all. Yeah, like like he just comes down and nitpicks about all the sci-fi series. It's like, no, 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 it actually yeah. doesn't work like that. Yeah, Gurren Lagan is just not viable. Yeah. <laughs> you well, can't be throwing galaxies around. Tr- trust me, I tried. Like, uh, anyway, like he's just like destroyed planets wholesale just to try shit out. <laughs> Just like I saw this in an anime once. Yeah. Uh, I'll give this episode a four. It was fine, but like, well, not a whole lot of interesting stuff happened, really. I'll give it a five because I thought I thought like the sequence where they moved the cube was really was really great. I did like the actual movement of the cube as being both like. Sort of this weird blend of extremely boring bureaucracy and also the ex- the excitement of just this massive thing like tumbling through a city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that sequence was breathtaking. Yeah, it was it was a pretty great like visual melding of like the sublime and the mundane. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> I like uh, Aaron. What do you give it? When they uh, when they start the the transfer, <laughs> and Shindo's like, "All right, but how are we gonna be protected here?" And the alien just like throws up a shield. He's like, "All right, I guess that'll work." <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Anyway, what uh, did you already give your score, Aaron? Oh, I'll give it a four. I thought it was right. good, but. Like I said, it didn't explain some stuff about the paper wham that I would have liked it to. Yeah. And Aaron forgot to watch Alice, one of only two shows that he actually watches Look, these man, days. I finished Persona, okay? Give me credit for that. All right, all right, that's fair. I, I will actually give you credit for that since you still have not finished Persona 4. So. Persona 4 just didn't interest me. Also, I know exactly what happens to it, so I might as well have played it. <laughs> I suppose I suppose that's a decent point, but still, for shame. Uh, anyway, so I guess we'll see you next week. All right, I'm out. <laughs> anyway, on to Alice to Zoruko. Zoruko, whatever. <laughs> Episode 6. Alice gets adopted. Mm, I'm just going to take a nap for this one, I think. Yeah, this it wasn't one is that bad. It moves into well, I mean, it was yeah, it was I thought it was a good episode, but definitely uh definitely a change of pace from the previous uh from the previous like few episodes in that it it concentrates on like the, you know, low-key slice of life aspects. Yeah, it's like I don't have anything particularly, like... I'm not going to rip it a new one or anything. It's not, like, a bad episode or, or whatever. So I don't have... I can't really summon any, like, rants for it. But at the same time, I didn't... The parts where Alice went 
would do slice of life stuff worked in small doses for me, kind of like <clears throat> how I felt about kind of like how I felt about uh, Girls in Panzer actually, <clears throat> where the slice of life moments in that show were fine, but only to a certain extent. Like when when Girls in Panzer would make that a large focus of a, of an episode, I'd mostly tune out because I kind of didn't care. Uh, so when Alice does the same thing, it's like, ah, that's not really what I'm here for. Um, the slice of life I feel is better as sort of brief moments to catch a breather from the actual plot development and action and not so much, it doesn't so much work as an episode unto itself because I started to get real like squeaky voice fatigue to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a direction. She's now got a family. We'll see what happens from there. I mean, we've got what uh, at least six episodes to go. Yeah, six or seven. I'm not really sure how many episodes Alice is I don't running. Know, in about for. two seconds. As soon as the computer decides to load, uh, twelve apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So six six more episodes. So I'm I'm reluctant I'm reluctant to drop it since it's likely that it'll it'll give us the new narrative hook in the next episode. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, that would be troubling. Let's say, since uh, like I I guess I'd I guess I'd like this episode more if it didn't feel quite so aimless. It it did. Lack direction a couple times. I'll give it that. Uh, I mean, it kind of got about halfway through. You had an idea what was going on, and then when they were having that meeting and swapping the papers back and forth, I'm like, mm-hmm. and then of course she had to go and get lost just a little for a little uh, dramatic effect. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, I- yeah, go well, ahead. Well, I think, Sorry. okay, I think there is a thematic through line in this episode, which is, it's about, you know, it's about Sana learning to, you know, you know, learning to live in this larger society and, like, you know, like, learning to be part of a family. Uh, I guess, like, uh, that, yeah, that's clearly what they're trying to do, but... I guess my issue with that is that it feels like we kind of got that out of the way already during the like episodes two and three, where we had very much the same scenes where she was kind of like hesitant about this new life, and then Zoraku's family like welcomed her and she got comfortable with them. Is like, oh, this is actually nice, and so here I don't really feel like that's a conflict anymore i don't think they really successfully sold me on the fact that this should be something that is still a struggle yeah well yeah the dramatic stakes the dramatic stakes in this episode were pretty low uh so and i think overall this episode is a bit too chill for its own good yeah um but it was watchable it was reasonably entertaining yeah, uh, I'll give it a three 
uh, almost entirely because like there were some go- good moments I liked between the characters, mostly be- mostly featuring Zoroku. Um, but I, I really can't go higher than that just because I didn't find it particularly interesting as a whole. I'll give it a four. I, I give it a, I give it a four. I'm with Ben. I mean, it, 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 I'm, I'm a family person, so I like family things. You know how that works out. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to Little Witch Academia, episode nine. You mean where you mean, we are get? You mean episode nineteen? Episode nineteen. Sorry, I missed the <laughs> one digit in the tens digit. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> this is a. Uh, Diana Cavendish backstory episode, which I was super hyped for. Like, yes, tell me more about this character. I really like the cold open uh, with the scene between her and her mom because it kind of painted her in, like, a different light than we've seen her before. Because for the most part, we've seen Diana be kind of... I don't want to say cold, but reserved in how she displays emotions she's she's a very emotionally guarded person yeah um Seems and <clears throat> and in this episode we get the context for that because it's not like she's inherently like that uh she was very vulnerable um when she was with her mother but when we kind of meet the rest of her family specifically her aunt who has just a snake around that's apparently her familiar or something which never trust a witch who has a snake as a familiar Mm. just don't do it um (laughs) like we clearly see that her aunt has has not her best interest at heart and so she kind of has to be guarded and she's kind of learned to not necessarily wear her emotions on her sleeve so that way she can better survive the politics of her family yeah well and i mean the selling the family jewels does play into this episode quite well yep yeah uh, although okay i mean you know the aunt sort of had a semi-defensible position although i mean there's obviously self-serving but sort of had a point in that you know just the you know, just living, you know, you can't just live off your, you know, your accumulated prestige. Yeah. Yeah, but she didn't have to be so damn uppity about it. Yeah. Well, also, I, I feel like that's kind of... I, f- I feel like the point she's making is kind of defeated by the idea that Diana was going to the academy to make a name for herself rather than just living off of prestige like diana clearly had ambitions of her own to like you use her own accomplishments to revive the family name whereas her aunt doesn't really have any ambitions her aunt just wants to basically turn their home into a pawn shop right so like, I, I feel like her aunt, like, on paper has a point, but her actions betray that. Because not yeah. only is her aunt not trying to do anything other than 
sell their stuff. Yeah, that's why I but said she's but 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 she's actively interfering in Diana's efforts to like revive the family name. Yeah, that's why I said semi defensible. In that yeah. yeah, in that yeah, if the aunt wasn't just such a <laughs> so completely awful she, you know, her point might have, uh, her point might have had more force, but yeah, it, it also, it also paints, uh, Diana's view of Akko in a different light because, like, knowing her backstory now, it's like, yeah, I can, uh, it's like, I, as a person, already found Akko to be a little bit irritating, but it's, if you're in Diana's situation, you definitely probably get ticked off at Akko, who kind of, like, succeeds through sheer happenstance at some points. Because Diana has to try so hard <laughs> to just, like, make things work, and has to... and is kind of always on guard and trying to, like, pick the right thing to do at all times. And Akko just does whatever. So, yeah, if I was Diana, I'd probably be pissed off. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the the characterization of this episode is spot on. Yeah. Because, like, oftentimes Akko doesn't really need to worry about the consequences of her actions, whereas Diana is constantly aware of them. Um, so, yeah. I feel like this episode was specifically made to appeal to me, the, the Diana fan club. <laughs> uh, but also, it was just, like, even... Even ignoring my sort of predisposition toward Diana, it was a really solid character-building episode. Um, and also, like, features some pretty good scenes with Akko and also Edward and his family, and his dad. Like, I was not expecting Edward to show up. And I'm uh, glad you he mean, did, you mean, because it... You mean Andrew. Andrew. Andrew, not Edward. Is there... Edward, is, is Edward a different character, or did I just make up the name Edward? I think you're thinking King's England. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Andrew, Andrew and his dad. Um, but yeah, they had a really good role in this episode, um, and for once, their kind of their kind of standoffishness toward witches kind of worked out in Diana's favor. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, what use do I have for any of this witchy crap? <laughs> yeah, it's like not like I don't believe in that stuff, and kind of actively. <clears throat> am against it, so why would I buy your paraphernalia? <laughs> Her aunt just choose the, chose the worst people possible to market to. Well, she was looking for somebody with money, and she was going to dress them down good, and they're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, so I am, I am really excited to see where the continuation of this episode leads. It was a really solid one. Yep, I am on, I am on board for this arc. Give it. I give it a five. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Anything less than a five I, is criminal. I give it a five <laughs> as well, and I just, I just now remembered like one of my favorite scenes because during the cold open, we have her mom talking to Diana and going like, going like you're you're gonna be the one to revive the words, uh, and then. At, like when Diana leaves at the scene with her and Akko on the docks, Diana tells Akko like, "Look, I know you're the chosen one. You're the one who's gonna re who's gonna re revive the words and like bring magic back to the world." 
so don't worry about me. Do your quest. And it's like, that's such a huge thing for Diana to, like, give over, because that was her childhood dream, like, the goal her own mother gave her. And now she's telling Akko, it's like, no, you're the one. Yeah, and... <laughs> Yeah, I bet she was. I bet she was seething inside about that too, because like, I mean, because I, I mean, like throughout the series, Diana has been rightly contemptuous of Akko. Uh, yeah, and you know, and to realize that Akko was the one chosen by the shiny rod has got to be like one of the most annoying things ever. Yeah, like, not not only does she have to leave the Academy, which is, like, the best thing that's ever happened to her, um, but also she has to deal with the fact that, like, she's clearly not the one her mom said she was. And instead, it's just, like, this nobody who, like, succeeds through sheer pluck. Just to add insult to injury. Um, but yeah, anyway... Let's talk about My Hero Academy, episode 20. Okay, so he's a walking, talking, brainwashing machine. Yep, Uh, which I really like the detail of him going, like, like, yeah, it's it's a really useful power in uh, certain situations, but also the problem is, is that everyone is kind of guarded around you and, like, makes jokes about, like, ha don't use it against me! Because they're secretly thinking, I hope he's not a bad guy. And, like, kind of knowing that people are thinking that they hope you're not a bad guy, it just, yeah, that would take its toll, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love the way they characterize the, you know, Shinso. Yeah, and just just kind of like really diving into the idea of when powers are random, there are certain powers that it just kind of sucks to have from a social standpoint. Like, even if they're good, even if they're powerful, even if they're useful, people have this sort of built-in idea of what that power is used for and what people and what kind of people get that power. Like, the stereotype... Like, the idea that prejudices and stereotypes exist within the superhero community is, like, a... Both both makes total sense and is a fascinating thing to dive into uh, with this show. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and... Yeah, the and like the fight, like the fight between uh, between uh, Deku and uh, and Shinso. Yeah, it was, it was like like the like he, it's like on the surface there didn't seem to be a whole lot of action, but they, you know, there was a lot of there was a certain yeah there was a certain it was compelling in its own way. Yeah, and like, also we found out a really cool thing about Deku's power during this fight scene that I hadn't thought about before, but now makes total sense. And that like, Deku on his own did not use his power. 
he had it, he had it activated for him, and like he makes the realization that all for one is not just a clever name. It literally describes what is happening in that like Whoa. sort of the the wills of all the people who had that power are like yeah. a tangible thing. Yeah, you mean one for all because yeah, one one for all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All for one shows all for one's going to show up later later in the series. Oh really? Okay. Yes, there is right. there is an there is a separate all for one. Okay, let me guess it's a villain. Uh yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so yeah, but well yeah, one for all actually has like a sort of like weird kind of psychic spiritual communal power where it can activate for you if it thinks you need it um like there's kind of an instinctual element to it uh that's based on the the collective will of all the people who have had the power before you which is a really cool idea um and i hadn't really considered that before but it it sort of makes it makes total sense in a way that only a superhero power can make total sense like that yeah it (laughs) Yeah, it has a solid internal logic to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. All in all, like all the all the like all the way the, the like all the ways powers are used in the show are like that. <clears throat> that yeah. The you know, in that even though they're like, <laughs> you know, they're like you know crazy comic book superpowers, but. They make certain. They make a certain sense. They're internally consistent. <clears throat> so yeah, um, I really liked this fight scene. Not necessarily for the choreography, because it was like sort of deliberately simple. Because Shinzo isn't a fighter. Nope. Um, uh, and I liked it more for kind of everything else around it. The the, the character <clears throat> development. The the revelations about uh, Deku's power, um, the reactions to the crowd has to everything that happens. It's all pretty good. Um, and I like the montage scenes showing how all the other matches played out with Todoroki just like immediately immobilizing his opponent. <laughs> you expect Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry, I was a little angry. I'd like to strangle my father about now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although and he, also Todoroki basically giving the verbal middle finger, the verbal middle finger to his dad. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, yeah. Although he, he, although at the end he sort of uses his, he sort of uses his firepower uh, to melt the ice that he created. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. Well, that's different though. Like, yeah. Because he didn't want to just leave him there trapped in ice. That would be a dick move. Yeah. And also, and also, the combat was over. He just said he'd never use his. I, he just he said he'd never use his firepower for combat. Right. But yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I super like Todoroki. He's he's a real good character, and I like Shinzo, and I like everybody. I like everybody ex- again, except for the tiny asshole pervert. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mineta. He's a uh, he. 
Well, that's the thing. Is that every every group needs like every group every group in order to in order to make sense needs like somebody like that. I question that. Yeah, I do too. I question that. I I don't think we need a Mineta. I don't have a Mineta in my social circles. <laughs> the meta the Minetas I used to have in my social circles are no longer in my social circles. Yeah. Uh, well, but think like you know in a in a class of like twenty random people. You know. I mean, yes, but also that doesn't that doesn't mean I want them to be shown in my anime. Well, Fair enough. They they exist, and you don't have to raise a red flag every time they show up. You know, I mean, it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. <laughs> but yeah, it's anyway. Yeah, I give the episode a five, and the guy with the stuff glued to his head a two. Yeah, I give it a five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a five. Uh, all right, moving on to Eccentric Family, Episode 6. Boy, now Benton's got an in interesting which, hobby. Yeah, in which Yasuburo literally goes to hell. Well, not of his own accord. <laughs> yeah, no, he's forced into it. Yeah. You know, while you're in the neighborhood, why don't you just check this out? Boom. Uh, yeah, I, I do... I never considered it before, but I guess it makes sense that the world of eccentric family would have a literal hell, since like every every other like uh, mythological thing exists. Yeah. Um, I also just really like the design and personality of the Onis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The. Uh... Yeah, they, I like uh, yeah Yasuburo's inter- interactions with that uh, female oni, who uh, who he hangs out with. I thought that was amusing. Uh, and inside yeah, the, she she was real good. Inside the ramen stand, we find out why the other guy is so hung up on Benton because he is really hung up on Benton. Yeah, so hung on bet so hung up on Benton that during the cold open, we find that he was exiled. Uh huh. Because it was unbecoming. Yes. You can't have relationships like that. Why? Because. Why? Because. Why? Because it's taboo, and we don't want, and we don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Really. Oh man, I'm I'm going through this Oni sequence, and I forgot that the tr- that like the train the su- like the train they have is literally like a mashup of. Like almost literally a mashup of like an old style uh, um, coal engine mm-hmm. and a and a like modern like electric train. Oh, remember, she makes super good. She makes the joke that you know now you got to get into the steam age. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a real cool design. I I love how like I love how just kind of off everything looks like in hell where it's like basically like our modern world but just different enough that it's wrong Mm -hmm. like I said then we find out Benton has an interesting hobby to kill her spare time 
Yeah, she just goes into like the hell arena to beat up on Oni. Yeah, oh, she she collects samples. I forgot samples or what, but she was collecting uh, samples. She uh, breaks off their horns after she defeats them. Like I said, she was collecting samples. But yeah, like none of them even put up a fight for her. The, yeah. the look on her face when Yasovaro gets in and goes, Hi, long time no see. Guess who this is? And yeah. She's like, Oh, how the hell did you get here? <laughs> Oops, you are here. Uh, never yeah. mind. Yeah. Benton's immediately like, Oh, yeah, I know who this is. <laughs> so, you dumbass, how'd you get here? Uh huh. <laughs> um. Yeah, this was a really fun episode, and I really liked the scene of Benten tossing Yasuburo up into the air, where he turns into Tanuki and, like, waves down at his Oni friend, who then goes like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) I've been had. And then, like, they drop down into, like, the tunnel that leads them back to Earth, and it's kind of creepy, because it's just a bunch of... Corpses. Dead souls. It's a corpse tunnel. It's dead souls. And it's something he sees in that tunnel that makes him realize something that we're going to find out about next episode. This was one of these weeks where next episodes are going to be good. Yeah, this was a this was a really visually imaginative episode. Um and while it didn't necessarily advance kind of the overarching plot much, um it did have a lot of good good interactions between the characters that flesh people out. Um, and it was just fun to watch. Yeah. So I'll give it a five. Yeah, I mean, Benton's yeah. fun to watch. Benton's always worth a five. Well, yeah, I give it a five. Well, as far as the overplot goes, I mean, yeah, what advanced was the knowledge that, uh, yeah, Uncle Sone is back. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about him. Hey, yeah, there's going to be another hot pot party, too, that's going to get busted that's up. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I forgot those two little minor things. Insignificantly. All right. Moving on to Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul, episodes five through six. Um, I think I finally turned around on the main character. I think she's okay now. Nina... Yeah, I think Nina. I think Nina's good now. Uh, again, largely because she's. They've. They, I feel like they've largely backed off on the whole Manny Pixie Dream Girl thing they've been going with. They went with the, for the first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, like I. I really like the scenes with her and oh gosh, what was the silent girl's name? Uh, Mugo. Muguro. Muguro? Muguro, close. yeah. The, w- the, the one that the one that Bacchus got super freaked out by. <laughs> Who's probably uh Jonah Ark's child. Yeah. Yeah, except with uh, the uh yeah, Muguro's gender seems to be an open question. Yeah, because yeah, like, um because Nina uses female pronouns, but also like Muguro isn't really correcting her and i want to say that muro was referred to as a looking as a male by a different character yeah so they've had a hot see uh nina and muro have had a a, uh, hot bath together so uh 
so they're they're ambiguous right now she's she may Um, be she may be correctly genderizing here who who knows knows? Um, i'm I'm probably just gonna i'm probably just gonna keep using they for convenience yeah they were since since we haven't seen muguro say anything on the matter or make any sort of indication of preferred pronouns so i'm just gonna go with they uh i really like the outfits they pick up on their day out it's it's real good yep um, and it's nice. It's a nice change of pace from Nina's kind of, kind of silly like boob plate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also it gave us the really cool scene with Muguro kind of like freezing the world and then, like removing the demon's collars. Yeah. Uh, that 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 was uh, that was quite quite a show there she put on. It was, it was. Yeah, and then, and then right after that, we have a really hilarious interaction between Kaiser and Rita, with Kaiser just, like, freaking out and just, like, throwing all his complaints onto Rita, and Rita just getting super fed up with him and punching him into the lake. Yeah, she throws him in the river and says, here, cool off. You weren't such a crybaby. Yeah, she was like, yeah, and she's like... But when I first met you, you were an idiot, and you didn't know what you were doing, and you were naive. But at least you did stuff instead of whining all the time. It's like, <clears throat> stop complaining and do stuff. <laughs> Guys is like, yeah, that's probably a fair point. <laughs> well, you know, you know, my dream one of these days would be to get to Japan, one of the popular show like this, and just sit sit outside the recording studio and watch how this interaction yeah. I mean this would I mean, <laughs> well well yeah well Rita's played by uh, Miyuki Sawashiro uh, well that who's, would be the other reason yes who's, who's like one of my favorite female voice actresses yes uh, I also really like the facial expressions that Nina had when she's interrogating Bacchus's duck yeah about like an associate of his like do you mean the lover <laughs> Like the the facial animations in Bahamut have been really good, actually. Yes. Um, yeah, this this is uh, you know, without the original person who became part of the dragon, and I forgot her name all of a sudden, Amira or whatever. Amira. Amira. You know, I thought this was going to be a drag without it, but it's uh, it's standing well on its own so far. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It, it's like it's actually kind of incredible that, like, I'm I actually that I that I can watch an episode now and not think in the background, but that how much I miss Amira. Yeah, and and Favreau. There's well, no Favreau's there, like Favreau. Favreau. Ha- I almost don't even mind Favreau being missing because I feel like Nina is a good replacement for him. Like, like mm-hmm. Nina. Nina is enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm sure he'll show up eventually. Well, like, yeah, because he's in the, the cast the so. series. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll show up in like a super dramatic moment when shit starts to go down. But yeah, for for the for the most part, like I don't even really mind that we don't have Favreau around because again, like his his antics are very much taken up by Nina in this series. Yeah, 
Well, he he trained Nina, so yeah, we you know we can kind of see a little bit of Favreau in her. Yeah. So moving on to episode six, uh, which the beginning of this I didn't necessarily care for, like the whole Nina can't fight back if she's being assaulted by hot guys. Like, yeah, uh, that part was I. Part, I didn't like that direction of her well, thing. Yeah, like, that part of the episode to, was annoying. That, that's where, yeah, if she tries fighting back, she becomes the dragon. She hasn't learned to control that part yet. Well, I mean... I know. I mean, it, it, was, I, it was believable, but it was still annoying to watch. That was the, that was the problem. I mean, I the, the thing with the, the the thing I have though is that like Nina like when she is in the presence of hot guys and doesn't want to transform that seems to make her far more likely to just like shove them to the side and get out like when she was arm wrestling arm wrestling the prince before like he like she straight up just like arm wrestled him across the across the street like into a wall yeah. Uh, and I was like, "All right, I'm gone now. Bye." Uh, whereas when, like, when she's being picked up by these dudes, she's like, "Oh no, my vagina is preventing me from fighting." It's like, uh, it's like I like I'm okay with with the whole hot guys make her transform thing. So she's afraid of being in in the presence of hot guys. I just hate this particular manifestation of it. Um, it was difficult to watch. Yes, I'll give you. I'll give yeah, you. Yeah, like at the very least, it was kind of re- it was somewhat redeemed by giving us a scene where she hangs out with the prince, which was pretty good. Yeah, well, um, you know, I imagined a scene like that to happen, and she get in the bind, and it's about the time Favreau would swing in out of nowhere and rescue her, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Also, also, <laughs> just. Also, the scene where she hits ha- hits on him afterward and gives gives him like the, "Hey, you want to come by my shop later?" <laughs> and then he comes by the shop and whoops. Baka says, "Well, so take her out." Okay, I'll take her out. Wait, 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 wait. Oops, sorry. Yeah, no one's really expecting him to be that nearly that okay with what's happening. It's like you know. Uh... Uh, let's see, there was a line somewhere called Be careful what you wish for? Yeah. yeah. That line. Oops. Over. Uh, I, do, I do like Bacchus and Rita's continued attempts to uh, get someone to date Rita. Sorry, Nina. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, they don't know the secret. Uh, very few people. Well, I'm pretty sure Bacchus does, and I and Rita definitely does. <clears throat> right, because uh, Rita is the one who treated her afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Rita picked her up after uh, she uh, did her transformation at the end of episode one. Yeah, and like I'm pretty sure the reason she's living with Bacchus is because like she because it's like the safest place for her to be because Bacchus <clears throat> is not hot. <laughs> And, and neither is the duck. No, the duck is definitely duck is dinner. Oh, I like the duck making duck dinner jokes. I thought that was pretty good too. Yeah, for a, for like a half second when Rita was making her wings, and the duck was like, "Oh, I don't think we have enough wings." That Rita was just gonna kind of like stare at the duck. 
But they didn't do that joke. No. No, the duck did his own duck joke, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah, the duck's name is Hamsa, by the way. I know. Hamsa, right. I like duck. That way I don't confuse him with a very more popular duck named Donald. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing, okay, if you stay for the, if you stay for the closing credits, they're kind of amusing. Uh... Uh, it's something I, I mean, it, yeah, it's been a feature of the show uh, since the yeah, beginning. Yeah, they always have something after the credits. Well, no, no, but, no, what I mean is the, the, I'm talking about the closing credit sequence itself. It's like, oh, because what they do is they use this, uh, they like, uh, you know, it's organized like a, uh, like a side scrolling video game. Yeah. So like, so like, uh, yeah, so you see like, uh, you know, Nina and company as, like, video game sprites, uh, you know, like, wandering through the, you know, going through the world and jumping around with, like, uh, with, like, their score on the screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, anyway, I thought, anyway, it's, it's really amusing. Just wanted to give a shout out to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly better than the opening. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, so now we have uh, this episode kind of ends with um, with uh, Azazel going like, "All right, time to set my dastardly plan in motion, where I'll force Nina to transform into a dragon." Basically, and you know what the thing is? She spent the time with the prince, and she was writing her mom a letter saying that something strange happened. I wondered if there's something strange happened is she's learned how to control. And maybe she's found the on-off switch for being a dragon. Yeah, because she, because like she danced with him uh, and like had a lot of physical contact with him and did not transform. Uh, so, like I said, this could be the this could be a nice big surprise for yeah for what's his name going. Wait a minute, what do you mean you can't transform into a, or don't want to transform? Wait a minute, I need you as a dragon. Nope, you're late. Sorry. And also, there was that one sort of nameless demon. Yes. Uh, like that was part of Azazel's resistance group who was like yo so uh, a lot of this plan relies on you and the dragon doing stuff Yeah. I so like you sure it's gonna work yeah, I and he's that. like yeah don't worry about it <laughs> those are famous last words yeah don't worry about it <laughs> so yeah that's definitely some foreshadowing right there uh huh oh, he's just... like by the way I don't have to control turn into a dragon anymore and Azel's gonna be like god damn it it's like wait a minute yeah uh, this is not what we get no 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 we didn't guarantee anything <laughs> yeah I can see her now I can see her hauling off and decking him <laughs> well she kind of right, sort of did so... she mowed him over <laughs> yeah uh anyway I will give episode 5 a 5 and episode 6 a 4 yeah same here yeah. Yeah, I can live through that. Even though the dance sequence was nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what brought down episode six was the the bit at the the bit at the beginning with the thugs. That was yeah. The... Thugs, bunny, and his bunch. Oh, 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 oh! That's so funny. All right. Uh, so that'll actually do it for. Uh, 
this episode. Do we have any listener questions? I don't think we do. Nope. I checked the comments on Project Haruhi, and I don't think. Nope. I think we covered the stuff that was on there already. Yeah, we. Uh, so yeah. The only thing we had was comments about comments about comments, which. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Cyber. If you, dude. dear listener. Oh, go ahead. No, it was, it was just a thank you. Shout oh. out to Cyber Dude for his comments. Yes, thank you, Cyber Dude, both for your comments and also for existing. Um, if you want to send comments to your listener, uh, you can send them to uh, send them to our blog. Post them on our blog yeah. at Uh Also, I brought up the fact that site-wide comments like the site-wide settings for comments are disabled on audio entropy and hopefully joe will, will fix that in the near future because i brought it to his attention it's like hey i'm enabling comments on audio entropy and they aren't working <laughs> so he knows about it now yeah ah. uh, but it's they're get so they might work by the time this episode goes up they definitely will work on project r <laughs> yeah so you know so, just yeah. leave it somewhere because we look both places yeah, and also, uh, if you're looking for uh, older episodes of this podcast, um, you can find links to the old RSS feed, uh, which you can manually subscribe to uh, over at uh, our page on Audio Entropy or um, on the sidebar or every blog post for Project RE. So, yeah, it's not like we've disappeared. We're still here. Dang it. Yeah. This show has I'm not trying to, I'm been trying canceled. To... I'm trying to make everything as easy as possible to follow. No, no, no. You're dealing with technology. <laughs> Nothing is easy. You should know this by now. Technology yeah. and easy are two words that do not go together. All right. Anyway, Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiribosh. Ta-ta, y'all. See ya. Bye-bye. Goodbye.